0: Welcome back to To The Table, everyone. I'm Alexis Soto, and I'm joined here by Peter Martinez of the Red Spotlight Network. We're back. It's been quite some time, and we're excited to bring To The Table back the show where we bring a movie that I particularly haven't seen that Peter always has, and we talk about it. Because I think seeing new movies and different kinds of movies is better for you especially if you're a film fan to broaden one's horizons and wouldn't you know it we're back here with not a month but a two month theme uh marathon of sorts where we're having a bunch of horror movies and the first one we're talking about today is the original Candyman that first debuted in theaters back in the year 1992 or as some old folks say it the year 19 and 92 it's been a while since I've heard somebody say that um, I saw a movie and somebody referred to that, that so that's why it's in my mind. <laughs> Not that I have aged 50 or so years, although who could tell the difference? Um, so here we are, uh, Peter is brainstorming away with, uh, the final titles that <laughs> will, that, that way we can't like, that's why we can't say for sure what the movies are that mm-hmm. we'll be covering with to the table these next two months but I for one am happy to be back I'm sure Peter is um, and yeah yeah, that's kind of where we are so that's today's show Peter do you have any words as the creator of this show and the showrunner of uh, the programming that we have here remember we are a seasonal show so if in case people are wondering why we're off the air we're a seasonal show we're not a Monthly show. But if you want to see our weekly show, Catch Red Spotlight, every single Sunday, Peter and I are always on there. Yeah. The most in important fact, show. In, in, in fact.
1: Especially in comparison to that dog shit. Um, what is it? The Disney Tinkle Fairy show? <laughs> I forgot what it's called. It's the one that Cow Lear hosts.
0: Peter Martinez is referring to our sister show, the Fantasy Fair Podcast, ah, which also is. on our network. The Fantasy Fair Podcast, which is hosted by Kyle Lura, who, may I remind you, is the creator of the entire Red Spotlight Network and has, you know, a lot of sway. Yes, uh, Fantasy Fair Podcast. It's there if you want to listen to it. Uh, it it's we don't podcast. Purchase. It's on the podcast feed. I have no comment. I, it, it, I was talking about the, the Red Spotlight <laughs> podcast, um, and what I was going to say is, we will have a review of the 2021 Candyman, directed by Nia DeCosta, produced by Jordan Peele, uh, on there as a companion piece of sorts to this episode, so we definitely encourage all of you to go check that out.
1: <laughs> what is this, a crossover episode? <laughs>
0: It's a companion piece, as they say. So, yeah, that's where we are. All right. (laughs) Okay.
1: Time for To the Table. To the Table, more like To the Grave for the 15th Annual Bulaween Spooktacular. Um... To the table and then that's where you add in effects of lightning <laughs> okay editor are you
0: gonna make me do that I am the editor
1: okay great Th- that's re- it's
0: just a <laughs> new thing now
1: and then like maybe a witch laugh <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay I guess I have to do that now I have to write that down
1: if he if he doesn't include it then um, he's a bitch okay so uh, Candyman. I we will start off like we do every discussion by just breaking down, uh, the film in a little summary. Brought to you by our sponsors, Littleboxed. Um, they're great. Go check them out. We get paid fifty dollars every time we say their name in this podcast. <sighs> yeah. We're really living the high life. Okay, Candyman, directed by Bernard Rose. You don't have to believe, just beware. You—that's not true, though. The whole point is belief. I don't think I like that tagline. Okay, the Candyman. Well, regardless if you
0: believe it or not, he's still going to be there. True. But he, he kind of thrives, he thrives on belief. Sure, that's true, but a lot of the movie is consumed with a lot of non-belief. Eh,
1: we'll get into it. Uh, (laughs) The Candyman, a murderous soul with a hook for a hand, is accidentally summoned to reality by a skeptic grad student researching the monster's myth. Starring Virginia Mattson, Tony Todd, Xander Berkeley, Cassie Lemons, Vanessa Williams, um Ted Raimi. Yeah. And yeah, a lot of other people. So Candyman. It is about the small uh city part part of a city. Chicago. Chicago City, Cabrini Green. Uh, and the legends that pop up from that uh crime ridden low-income part of the city
0: and the inner cities as the former president would used to say <laughs> former yeah uh
1: <laughs> and a young professor right helen lyle yes well she's not a professor, she's a graduate student. Graduate student, right? She's going to she she's wants to isn't it like she wants her thesis to be on uh
0: the folk tales. Exactly, because her husband everything. is the professor at the university and what he his whole thing that he teaches is the the power of legends and stories and myths mm-hmm. and everything. So she gets that influenced from him and then she kind of finds out about this Candyman story, and she, she, uh, she does her research. She does her research, and it does. And like many of the people who were dying from COVID, mm-hmm. they did their research too.
1: Yeah, I was gonna go but a McLaren different angle. I was gonna say it ends slightly better than most of my research papers. Um... <laughs> That's a sad commentary. Yeah, <laughs> school's hard. Anyway, are you still in school? Um, People were asking me if you're still in school. Who's and asking? I didn't know what to say. Who's asking?
0: Julio, your Julio? beloved.
1: He can ask me.
0: Well, every time he wants to hang out, you never seem to be available. Because um, I'm in school. Uh, that's between
1: you and him, okay. not me. That's, he's a cheating whore. Um, <laughs> so, yes, Candyman. I gave you this film. One, because there was a new Candyman film coming out. And we for sure were going to watch it. And it's like, yeah, for sure we got to watch the original. And two, it's a really good movie, I feel. It's 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 technically from the the latter era of the slasher. It's The Candyman is sort of sometimes lumped in. With your freddies and your Jason's and your Michael Myers, but it's it's very different. In fact, I w- I w- actually had recently watched the Roger Ebert review from back from nineteen ninety two. Um, or or that's it wasn't just Roger Ebert. It was who was the guy he was with Gene Siskel? Yeah, it was their show that they had. Um. And while both of them, some one of them, I think Roger Ebert really liked it. Siskel somewhat liked it. I think they both agreed, like, yeah, it didn't need to be a slasher, and they, and it was this sort of feeling like it was originally more artistic type horror film, but then the studio came in and it's like. <laughs> It's got a, The kids love the guts. You know where's the slasher shit? You know, they, a lot of people kind of felt that way at the time that that first film came out. Um, which is really funny when you look at the reactions to the new film, and it's somewhat the opposite, <laughs> which we'll get into the, in that review and that other one. Um, but yeah, it's it's a semi slasher. So, yes, the film was this sort of semi-slasher, semi, you know, more artistic horror film. And it was clearly a film with a lot to say, which seeing Mm -hmm. it now is maybe it's like, wow, like even in... Because you hear Candyman, you think cheap, um, Bloomhouse slasher. That was that was made for about a week and then for on like twelve million dollars and it comes out next week, it makes a total haul of fifty million and it you get twenty sequels and it's just complete shit. Um <laughs> but no, like the Candyman has really had a lot of staying power and it's had a, a cult following, if you will, which I dig because that really suits the idea yeah. <laughs> the ideas you see within Candyman. But no, I I think the kind of horror films that you like, I th- I felt it would be right up your alley. So I, I was like, oh, this is perfect. New Candyman, that so you you take it away.
0: Yeah, it, it, it's um, it's a very interesting package shall we shall we say about Candyman <laughs> and like the the film, and then also, uh, all of the stuff surrounding it. I first heard of this movie when we did a review for Horror Noir, uh, yes. which was a Shutter documentary, which I would encourage all people to uh, list, to just watch that documentary. I and forgot also, we watched think, that. Yeah. yeah, we watched it, and then we also did a review on Red Spotlight. Mm. Um, and Candyman was a big part of it, as well as Tony Todd. And a lot of, I, I feel like the impact the film made, um, I was sort of familiar with already because of um, how it was talked about uh, in that documentary, um, and so uh, I was very curious to see it, and it's it's an interesting experience. I I, I will say with the movie overall, I really, really liked it, and it's kind of stayed with me. Um, I think almost a week after having seen it. Um, I think off top, what I think makes it kind of work great as a movie is that it's very dreamlike as well. Uh, Not just with um, how, you know, the camera is moved and, uh, but also with the beautiful score, Um, you know, horror movies, any kind of movie really is elevated by an an amazing musical orchestration. And this one is no, um, is, is no exception. Uh, It starts off with, I guess, these like pans over the city, with this accompanying score and we're kind of moving in on something, but you're not really sure what it is. It, it kind of almost reminds me of the opening of the shining in a way, mm-hmm. um, kind of yeah. almost similarly yeah. to that and how, and also used to a similar effect where you're not really sure what the hell is going on or you're I know, entering in this world of the yeah, unknown. <laughs> uh-huh, exactly. Yeah. And I wonder even to, if some people have speculated, perhaps that's the point of view of Candyman or whatever. Oh, is this,
1: watches over this
0: city. Exactly. Yeah. So, um what I I found most interesting about this um this movie. Um yes, it is technically considered a slasher. You're you're right there. But it almost doesn't feel like that because that's almost not the kind of movie you're watching because with slashers in the form of, you know, uh Michael Myers and Freddy Krueger, uh, all they do is kill people left and right. There's really no ands, ifs, or buts about it, right? That's kind of what it is. And a lot of the monsters that we saw in a different horror franchise earlier this year were kind of like, like that. What's different here is again unlike the examples of uh michael myers where there's no like premeditated anything they just kind of like oh they see somebody and they kill you um as they said on double toasted um and i did see that um that oh i guess yeah i guess I think yeah the classic review of it that was uploaded this last week after having watched the movie um Candyman really knows how to frame a bitch. Um, (laughs) Seriously, because... And that's kind of the thing that I wasn't really at all expecting, because um, Candyman isn't just one of these, like, um, monoliths that is a killing machine. Sure, he's that, but there's a lot more to him than that. Not just with the origin, but then also to what his intentions are. Like, there are motivations for this character. Like There's a character there. Um... And there is an agenda, if you will, to all of the things that he is doing. And it was kind of a little bit jarring in a good way, though, to see one of these slashing monoliths have um a more meticulous nature to them, mm-hmm. more of a purpose to them than them just being what they are. Um also Tony Todd is incredible in the role. I, I think while maybe not among the most scary of horror movies, and that's I don't know what you find it's up to you what you find scary these days, there are aspects to his performance that I found beautifully haunting. Yeah. There's this sequence where he, I think it was it's the first time I think we actually see him maybe the first time we actually see him approach helen in the parking garage <laughs> and i remember like the hair um now maybe not maybe not the hair but like i guess like i remember chills down my spine when you first hear him say helen mm-hmm. and you like after and you you cut to um i guess a shot of his feet and i'm like oh fuck no <laughs> i would run the fuck away <laughs> From this, as fast as I could, and like she's in, the, she's like in this, I guess, dreamlike state because she's, um, she feels like she's accomplished what she was, you know, she had set out to go investigate Cabrina Green, mm-hmm. and get her story and everything. And then, oh no, here comes the actual Candyman, and um, the way he's just like looking up at the sky and like chanting your name and in this creepy tone, it's like that in and of itself was haunting uh not just to see but to hear um and he uh was a kind of a magnetic presence all throughout the film just basically anytime he pops up you're like oh shit um and i thought that's kind of something you want with you know your Candyman, your uh michael myers it's like oh here's the shape, as they call Michael Myers. You know, this is what you know. this presence feels like and looks like. um, And so, yeah. I also really enjoyed, what's her name? Uh, Helen Lyle. Yeah. Uh, the actress that plays oh, Helen Lyle. Um, yeah. Let me pull the, it Because she, in a lot of ways, Virginia she Madsen. is. Right. Virginia Madsen. In a lot of ways, she is the protagonist, if you will. Well, at least we see a lot of the events transpire through her point of view. Um, and there was, I don't know, it, because you know what kind of movie it is, you you, you almost feel as an audience member, like you want to like, you know, reach into the movie and like shake her and like slap her and <sighs> hey, this is the point of no return. Stop Digging into this, mm-hmm. this isn't gonna end well for you at all. Um, and I didn't know it ended up being that bad for her. I was like, "Oh my god!" I was really, blah- <laughs> I was thrown with how badly things end for her. I was like, "Man, this is some this is a special kind of like when you involve fire in an ending. I mean, it kind of reminds me of the ending of Midsomar, Although Midsummer's ending is, per- I mean, particularly fucked up in a way that can't be touched on <laughs> even by most yeah. movies. <laughs>
1: that director man he i don't know he might so, need I therapy mean, yeah
0: oh god i think we might need therapy experiencing his, his movies I, i'm sure i think i needed it after watching that and hereditary uh i i honestly think this is a wonderful movie and i uh, i loved watching it i was engaged all the way through especially in the mystery aspect of it uh and then also curious to see what candyman is but overall though aside from it just being a very enjoyable film as you kind of walk along the journey of this movie uh there there's a lot of social commentary actually interweaved in here hmm. um and its significance as you know what this does and you're not I think horror noir kind of fills in the gaps which was what Tony Todd and and Candyman is really flipping the script on how African Americans in particular have been treated in this genre again that's an amazing historical story in and of itself Uh, I would recommend anyone listening to this go watch horror noir Uh, it kind of recaps all of it beautifully but um, it's interesting like yes it's a cult Classic, but I think at this point we can just drop the call and say it's a classic. Um, for, for many ways,
1: horror 100%. Yeah, I don't know how mainstream it. I think now I, it's pretty mainstream, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, maybe you are right. Um, uh, yeah, but it, when it first took off, it was more cult. Cold cold.
0: Yeah. Right. It it did from what I understand um spawn two sequels. It did. But but just the two, right? It didn't yeah. become like the other franchises where <laughs> it goes on forever and ever and it kind of ends up in this like territory of like what the fuck are we even doing here when it gets like numbers I don't know, six, seven or eight yeah. in the
1: franchise. I'm surprised by that too, that they just didn't, you know, go go straight to that uh straight to DVD eighth film, you know? Right. I I'm really surprised they just stopped at 3. Like that's enough shit sequels. Like really? Look yeah. at look at Freddy, look at Jason. <laughs> they they're killing it in the sequels. I why why can't Candyman go to space? <laughs> Talk about the ethics of of space travel. <laughs> I don't know. But uh yeah. Now you said something earlier uh, and I kind of touched on it right now about how the um it had something to say in sort of mm-hmm. social, uh, political themes. Uh, it sounds to me, well, because earlier you said it was a good film, and I agree. But now you're describing a woke film. And as we know, yeah. mm-hmm. that that that's impossible, right? Yeah. You can't have a woke film in a good film. <laughs> it's It's an oxymoron. It doesn't work so are you just mistaken like what's going on here
0: well if you (laughs) listen to the episode I did two weeks ago with David you would know that I went on one of the many rants I went on in that episode was against um, this whole mentality of wokeness being bad oh so you're a soy boy cuck okay I misread the situation okay
1: my bad my bad (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but let let's start right there. Um this is a film, a horror film and I had actually I guess I can pick from this crop of films. At one point I I I had, was digging through sort of the most political horror films that I enjoy. And I was going to ah. give them to you, right? And um, a part of that was there was a lot of those films that I think you would really enjoy and would surprise and you how much you maybe connect with them and such. Duh. But also because I, I, with you, I really hate people. And maybe you could stop right. There. Uh, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> I love people, but I hate people, especially on the internet that are like, "There's a gay character in the back." go woke go broke (laughs) the reason all the movies today suck is because there's a lesbian in it like there there are people with this mindset and if it was like a minority i would be like i I guess in the Grand scheme of things, like the entire population, it's a non- minority. It is, but it's but not a minority, very vocal in the, minority in the discussion. Yeah, they're very yeah. vocal and they really dominate the discussion to the point where it's like they steamroll over the conversation. Yeah. And it's one of those things where you have people, people sort of have gone to the point where they're like, well, no, 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 no. You guys are ridiculous. The movie isn't woke. It's good. And it's. That that doesn't. It, this idea of a movie being. It just dives the yeah. whole head into this whole thing of like all film, all art is political, all film is political. The the idea of, you know, art being woke. All that. When people complain about wokeness and art and shit, all it means is it's it has politics that i disagree with because yeah. when cuz guess what defending the status quo is politics right mm-hmm. like that is a political stance right no matter what position you take you are taking a political stance right so this idea of like i'm tired of politics in my movies it it's always there it, it the harder thing to imagine is to a film without politics i don't maybe it's just staring at someone paint right but then you could derive something from that as well so yeah so i just, maybe maybe i'll give you because candy man was one of them that i was going to give you and then there was like a few other ones so maybe i'll throw that into <clears throat> into the mix for the ones we see in the future but um for this ghouloween spooktober uh but as far as this film candy man i wanted to ask you what did you take away from the what did you take away the film was trying to say, or the discussions it was trying to touch on at the very least?
0: well, clearly, with Helen Lyle being a white woman going into a poor black neighborhood mm-hmm. and the fact that it's repeatedly mentioned <laughs> in the movie itself, clearly the film wants um us as the audience to keep thinking about that and, and and reminding us about what what that means, right? Mm-hmm. And it even shows us in the film the differences, right? Because uh there's this whole scene where Helen discovers the fact that her condo quote unquote mm-hmm. complex was actually designed exactly the same as the projects or as these I guess what you would call um affordable housing units. Um, in the inner cities, as Trump would say, only then, uh, they realize that, uh, as with gentrification goes, right. That's Mm -hmm. the big theme here is white people didn't want to, uh, be, um, they didn't want to live in the same place as, uh, as the black people. So of course, and by the way, this is kind of, that's, that's a, that's a big theme early on in the movie, um. Again, for those listening, that's not anything um, new in America, especially in 1992. Maybe in 1992 was more, I guess, of a woke, quote-unquote, whatever that even means, thing to do. Um, But it's something that's been happening throughout the entire history of America. And I think stating that as a fact in and of itself is not really taking a side on such things. It's just stating the reality of what happened. So just putting that out there in case anybody thinks – Oh, you're going to woke or whatever. I don't even care, but that's that's a big thing of what it's saying off the bat. It's that look at these these tale of two cities in a way, mm-hmm. right? Look at how and we go to see how they live versus how how comfortable she lives. So off the bat, it's already getting at that difference between white America and black America. And
1: that that's absolutely correct. And I will state, you know, to the people that get mad at that, they get mad at pointing out reality. That doesn't suit them, so fuck them. Um, but I also think it goes to the filmmaking, right? So Cabrini Green is filmed very much like like another world, right? Like like almost this exotic land, um, because that's it's sort of a fairy tale land. I feel the way it's shot and approached, and and I think it also helps that. The film is from the point of view of... Uh, what's her name? Helen Lyle. Helen Lyle. And, she... and it's her and, and characters <laughs>
0: like her who refer to Sabrina Green as like, oh, well, you heard the stories, you know, yes. about what you go like. It's it's basically as if they're terraining into, like, I don't know, Jurassic World or something, how they
1: act sometimes. Mm-hmm. it's it's it, it has a lot of elements that you would see further explored in, like, say, Get Out. Where it's this sort of upper class um, fascin- fascination with black culture and I would have lifestyle. voted for Obama
0: a third time if I would.
1: Yes. <laughs> because she comes in, you can tell she's like, oh, she very much is one of those, I love black people. You know, I, I love every, you, you know, I'm, I'm doing this out of a love for them basically. What's there to
0: be afraid and of, their, basically.
1: And their culture, and, and such uh-huh. and such. But yeah, she's, she treats it like a safari, basically. Basically. Like, that's yeah. the way she treats it. And it's it's telling. I think they mentioned this in the du- Double Toasted review, because I did see it as well. Yeah. Because I watch all their videos, because they're very funny. Um, Go watch Double Toasted. Yeah. Everything and anything they do is always entertaining. I'm I'm always surprised by how little, like subscribers and views they have like i feel it should be in every video should be like in the millions but um they we can relate (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) please please don't listen to us um the the first time that you hear the story the full story the full tale of Candyman is in this very rich nice restaurant by this you know very snooty, other professor, British, British professor. professor, like, oh, you've never even heard the tale of of Candyman, you know, <laughs> and, and they're the ones that that sort of tell the tale. You don't even get it straight from um, the people themselves that that live mm-hmm. it. So, yeah, and it's—I would even say—it's surprising how unsubtle it is right cuz you talk about how yeah they have a whole scene where she basically breaks down to her friend like yeah like you see my big ass awesome apartment it was literally refurbished from what was supposed to be um a, a housing project unit mm-hmm. you know just and and like she literally goes to the window you you're in this lavish rich apartment and you look out the window and you look across and you ba- and you see Um, Cabrini Green, and
0: and yeah, she's got like a a Grace Randolph window where you can see the entire city, yeah, yeah, like behind (laughs) it. She kind of looks like Grace Randolph.
1: I don't know, Uh, (laughs) does she? Yeah, (laughs) Uh, that's just kind of a funny coincidence. Um, (laughs) but no, all that stuff is great, and what's so great about the film is how it builds, right? Like, you do not see Tony Todd. As Candyman until what forty minutes into the movie,
0: that's true,
1: yeah, like the the legend is built up so much, and then you go into Cabrini Green, um you know, his domain, and you see the people and you see the fear, um, my favorite is that mural where like you, you go
0: through it and it's like his mouth. Oh. Like, like no, that that particularly is kind of unsettling. Of just remembering of what it was like because this 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 woman um she does some things. Man, <sighs> she's got balls I'll never have for doing what she did because she basically goes to the exact apartment where somebody was murdered. Mm-hmm. It's basically for all intents and purposes Candyman's dwelling, and she goes even further into what would actually be the dwelling of of, of Candyman, mm-hmm. and she goes through. Um, this opening in the wall which ends up being on the other side she realizes it's a mural of Candyman and she kind of just went through his mouth and everything and then she stares into the eyes of it and it's like she's in this trance and I'm like what? No, no, no. No, <laughs> no, no, no,
1: no, no. Uh, it's it's very, it's all very religious. Mm. There's a lot of Religious overtones to it. The imagery, you mean? Of... Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And then the the operatic music. Oh, yeah. And yeah. then even tied into the plot, there's these um, rituals that sort of have to take place by the no, end true. of the film. Yeah. So, so there's a lot of that, and it, and it really is. Um, they they really hit the nail on the head and really go for it, I think, in the the new Candyman film. But I think it's very clear in the first one that Candyman is sort of this violent um, metaphor for black pain.
0: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. That's the big thing with him. What That's ultimately... The creation of him, and I think also it's an it's an awesome way, you know, looking aside from the story and the narrative, but it's an awesome way for black filmmakers. Again, it wasn't just the fact that black people in and of themselves were so stereotyped and pushed to the periphery and made fun of, and you know, horribly mangled as as tropes in the horror genre. But of course, black filmmakers, of you know, were very few and far in between mm-hmm. at this point in time, and it's something so empowering like they they really do take agency here when they create this um i guess i don't know if you want to call, call him a, a horror monster or, or or this new name this new figure that is the creation of kind of the hardships that the filmmakers themselves have endured and that ultimately yes. is the story of black mm-hmm. america really is the pain overall and they kind of imbue that in the origin of the character mm-hmm. and that's that's great yeah I will say that I think that
1: that more so happens in the new film. That's true. Because this original one was made by white people. Some pretty cool white people. (laughs) Yeah. but White people. Um, But it's far more overt in the new movie as well. Yes. Which that'll be a fun discussion when we get to it. When Uh. we get there. (laughs) But no, yeah, no, I, I think it's very apparent here. And you can argue that I like to, th- to me, all slasher monsters have that, are are basically big, bloody, violent um, metaphors or statements, That's tr- right? Mm-hmm. I, I think, you know, Michael Myers is, mm-hmm. is sort of represents the, the fear of, the the loss of safety in suburbia, you know what That's I mean? That's true. Yeah, uh, like it's this pi- this perfect white picket fence, nothing th- can go wrong here, and then something does, right? Like that fear that takes hold, and um, especially at that time, uh, Jason is basically uh, <laughs> Reagan. <laughs> Reagan and the former president. Yes. Yeah. Ronald Reagan. <laughs> Cause it, it's, it's very much this eighties backlash against young, young kids and teenagers where it's mm. like, don't have sex. Don't do drugs. Oh. Don't be a fucking hippie. Because because those are the rules in a Jason film, right? Like if that's right, if you're fucking, yeah. you're getting killed. If you're doing mm-hmm. drugs, you're getting killed. You know, if if you're any of these, if you, it's very. And and how was Jason created, right? Like two comp counselors weren't keeping an eye on him because um, they were fucking, and and, and he drowned, <laughs> right? And then that's kind of where where it all starts, right? So these. To me, right, like, sort of slasher icons, there's always been more to them, you know, despite being, I think, by a lot of people considered, like, bottom barrel, bottom of the barrel of art, I guess,
0: a film. But there's... To be fair, the the genre in and of itself, by the elites, is considered to be the bottom of the barrel of movie making. Yeah,
1: yeah. It doesn't get much... I'm not saying it
0: is. Hell no, it's Mm -hmm. not. That's uh, that's a harmful stereotype and one that's unfortunately come at the direct expense of the legitimacy of this genre, Mm -hmm. particularly by the guilds and everything. Um, But it's just how it is when it comes to how certain um, circles view this genre of movies. Yeah,
1: a lot of of people don't view it that highly, which is a shame because I think clearly it has so much to offer and Candyman is one of them. So yeah, like the, the setup. Oh yeah, it's my favorite part of the film. Um, from the from the very beginning, of the haunting score, shots of the city, and just sort of the mystery building on top of itself. Learning about Candyman, all of that, the the social political undertones, all of that's great. And then you hit the the forty or so minute mark, and then you finally meet Candyman, and he's been built up so much, it's like can he live up to that? And the answer is fucking yes. Cause it's Tony goddamn Todd. Right. Awesome. <laughs> and he's, he is fantastic. First, he has an amazing voice, right? Like he oh has one of those, he's one of those actors where you just hear his voice and like chills. Right. Mm-hmm. Incredible. Be my victim. You know, it's, it's great, but he's also, he's something that no other horror icon is. And he's suave. Right? Yeah. And I think that's a very interesting angle to go for with this killing machine, really. And um he's he's very alluring, right? Like he's mm-hmm. he's and, and you see that in the way he's gets what's her name in, in a trance right right
0: helen helen it's like when he reveals himself to you you can't help but be, be drawn to him like you're mm-hmm. in some kind of trance or something you yes know? and i think that's great
1: yeah i i really loved it and I, I really think it's a unique interesting angle and then it's all the more horrifying when he just starts killing people
0: that's another oh. thing
1: that devil does talked about is like he's not one of those like let me talk to you a bit before i kill. he just walks in and like just violent but he doesn't he doesn't like do crazy interesting kills um he just goes in and just like and and it it kind of makes it all the more terrifying the way he he just just kills you pops in and just like brutally just in one swoop like you don't give a fuck He's not here to talk your head well, off. We
0: haven't mentioned this at this point, but like part of the the shtick, I guess you want to say, with his his character mm-hmm. is uh he is summoned if you say his name five times in the mirror. A mirror. Yes. And then he immediately kills you. Mm-hmm. Um and I think we it has to be toward the beginning of the movie where we see what's his name? Raimi. I almost thought that was actually Sam Raimi, because they look so alike. He and his brother.
1: I I think I thought this, there are so many similarities in my mind to Sam Raimi and James Gunn. And this is just another one of those where they have <laughs> their, brothers. their actor brothers, but they're both sort of these like tall, lanky, goofy looking guys. Uh huh. <laughs> and I don't know, it, it's like a perfect parallel uh-huh. um their careers. But yeah, that was Ted Raimi. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and the cool we see guy.
0: not we don't see that the murder happened, but we know yeah. it happened because we hear it. Um, this person said the name five times into a mirror, and then of course, look what happened. Um, there's just I think they even said that in the Double Toasted review that there's a there's a Hispanic version of this where it would be Bloody Mary, right? Oh, for sure, yeah. Um, and you say their name five three times in this case in the mirror, and then she'll come and get you. Uh, They're more efficient. Of, Right. right. (laughs) We only need three. Those kind of legends um, have always terrified the hell out of me. And even to this day, I would not dare do any of that. Like, if you asked Mm. me to go in, uh, say, Candyman five times in a mirror, no. And what's funny is,
1: it's a fucking movie. I know. It's not even, it's not like this old, like, because Bloody Mary, I feel, is like this old legend yeah. is right like like it's it's sort of like la llorona right like like it goes uh-huh. back many many generations so Chupacabra. yeah so, so it, it it has this old magical feeling to it where it's like it's not real but also eh, <laughs> you know <laughs> why why risk it um where it's whereas like this is a movie like it came out in 1992 uh, it, it was on VHS like, like, like it, it's not this ancient thing but even then it's just like no <laughs> I'd, rather, I'd rather
0: not risk it <laughs> hell no <laughs> No, because if it ends up being true well, you're fucked
1: can I tell you something as a kid I did though like <laughs> Looking back, like I, I, I did the Bloody Mary thing. I'd play a lot with um, Ouija boards. Oh God! Right, like yeah, like it's. I don't know. I I don't know if I wasn't scared. Well, I didn't watch horror films, so maybe they they just never hit me. <laughs> and I'm just like, ooh, a Ouija board, <laughs> Bloody Mary, ha ha ha. <laughs> but I, yeah. I I didn't die, so. I know well. Hmm, technically, I didn't die, so I know that it's not real. Mm-hmm. But even to, like, if you were to say, uh, "like Okay, then do it again," like just go do Bloody Mirror, I'd be like, "No, like yeah. no, that's okay." Um, and yeah, I I love how Candyman has that same quality to it. Yeah, like like it's an old legend that's existed forever. Um, or at least for
0: many, many generations. It does, I think, horror movies aspire, or just a great movie is aspire to do. It's kind of reminds you of Jaw's effect, right? And what it had with people going to the beach and everything. Yeah. Yeah, I would say so. Um
1: Yeah, I I wanted to bring this up because this is something where I this is why I love Listening to other people's opinions on films, because mm-hmm. you always, even if you disagree, you always, you're always gonna find points of views where you go like, "Wow, I never saw it that way," and it makes That's you, true. it makes you rethink things. And I loved the discussion. Again, go watch them at Double Toasted, where they were talking about how they had an issues with um when it came to Candyman and. Our main character, Helen.
0: Helen Lyle, and it's kind mm-hmm.
1: of like, well, here's the trope, you know, black man <laughs> he, doesn't matter if he's a killer monster, he's got to have that white woman, you know, going back to that trope, and yeah. but I really liked what uh what's his name Corey had said, where uh-huh. he he viewed it l- almost as if like yeah he wants her, but. Well, I guess you got to know the original tale. And the original tale of the Candyman is back in... The 1890s. 1890s.
0: This is post-Civil War.
1: Yes. It is a black man who was a great painter. In the Reconstruction era. Yes. And he was commissioned to do a painting for a rich man's uh, white daughter. And he did her painting. They fell in love. Um eventually she grew pregnant with his child. Her dad found out. They got a lynching posse. And Oh
0: my god, he was a painter. I just, yes, it just he hit just me.
1: you the the new it, one, huh? It,
0: it just hit me. I was like. <laughs> how did that fly over my head? I'm sorry. I was just like, whoa, wait. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Go ahead, yeah. Wait,
1: haunt solo? It's because he's alone. Oh my god. <laughs> He doesn't have any people. Um Cruella Deville, <laughs> Deville? That's because she is a devil.
0: de-vil. Wh- what?
1: Um but yes, yeah, yeah, they got a lynching posse. You just blew
0: my mind. I, you really shouldn't have because I should have been so obvious, but I was like, "Oh, okay."
1: <laughs> uh of course these people, these group of people, they chased him down, beat him, tortured him, cut off his hand put a hook in there that's where he gets the hook and then c- covered him in honey and the bees stung him to death basically and then maybe they set him on fire i can't remember they did <laughs> okay yeah they did a lot of terrible shit and that's where a lot of his aesthetic is the hook the bees all of that that's where it comes from um
0: and the thing I know you're getting to a bigger point mm-hmm. here, but like that in and of itself is so imbued in um reality and what happened in this yes. country. Mm-hmm. And it kind of makes me wonder at like, these people who like, you know, hate the fact that, you know, this kind of stuff isn't filmmaking, but it's like, I don't know um why that would offend you. I mean, it offends me that like, these things actually took place. It doesn't offend me that people are being reminded about them because we shouldn't forget that they actually happened. Like that is like what you say ultimately like real life is true horror, and the legend of candyman is really not too dissimilar from what the actual lynchings that happened in this country well after of course the Civil war right like mm-hmm. this is a, this is um domestic white domestic terrorism we still see it today uh it's taken on different um forms, but it's ultimately the same story and as it was back in uh, the 1990s when this film was created. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's all of that. Again, it's I.
1: It's not even subtext; like it's just text, right? Like it's yeah. there. It's it's there out in the open for you to consume. Um, but now that you know the backstory, don't to present day with you know, Candyman. When it comes to Helen, he's base. He doesn't want to kill her. He wants to. She he says, "Be my victim, he wants her to join him, and sort of this eternal internal plane of memory within people they will live forever because they will be a legend, a myth together and I think it's because she I don't know if she resembles the white woman that he was in love with, something back then something along those lines um and the way that Corey from Double Toasted had seen it. Is Candyman is basically torturing her and lynching her in the same way that he was at that time, right? Like she is being hunted because he's 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 basically setting her up. That everyone thinks she's she's killing these people, but it's actually Candyman just coming in. At the right time, murdering them, and no one believes her, um, setting her up, and and she's getting chased and hounded by the police, um, being attacked, and then ultimately sort of burned at, at the stake like a witch, you know, or like the original Candyman at the end. Um, and I had never sort of seen it that way before, but but. From that point of view, I was like, "Wow, that's actually really interesting." The way it's sort of that he's taking that pain and destruction he went through and sort of turning it on um, poor old what's her name? I don't know what Helen. Helen. I don't know what I want. To, I don't know why I want to say Lorelai. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if anyone's seen Gilmore Girls. But I keep thinking Lorelai in my head anyway. But no, yeah, that was a really unique perspective. And I was like, that's really cool. Like I hadn't ever even. I was like, yeah, like that's that's neat. Yeah, that that's another layer to this film that I hadn't previously uncovered. And I think that's really cool. And I think that's what good art does. <laughs> it provides layers for you to dig through. And discussions to be had. But yeah, What about you? What are you feeling?
0: No, I think that's uh, entirely accurate, at least to what I saw. I think another interesting aspect was um I think it was offered up by other people, and that is uh what what ultimately uh Candyman sees in Helen. I think on one side you can definitely see maybe as a an attraction or a desired and on the other hand you can you can ultimately it being revenge for what was done to him, but why particularly her? Well, perhaps because she encapsulates the image of the of his lover that betrayed him mm-hmm. by sending these wolves out to go and kill him. Mm-hmm. I guess, I think another literal interpretation of it, uh, I don't know if it's intended, but one uh, takeaway would be like, she is maybe the, maybe he feels like she's the reincarnation of the person that he yeah. loved.
1: Mm-hmm. And in and, and the same way that, through that pain and suffering he lived forever. He will make her live forever as well through that pain and suffering. And they will yeah. live together forever, right? And it's those parallels. Um No, I think that's that's neat.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, I was gonna say something and I completely fucking forgot what I was gonna say. God damn it. It was interesting Some of the too. kills in this movie are pretty horrific. My favorite is the therapist. Because he just pops up out of nowhere. <laughs> like, like from behind the table just like... Gah! And it's like so fucking disturbing. But he just takes the hook from like from his crack to his neck and splits him open. And just like one fell swoop. Like that's... Ugh
0: disturbing no it is i mean there was another one where he um there was a i guess a little boy in the bathroom um remember that one? Oh fuck i don't know if i remember this one
1: can you can you
0: it's kind of implied he cuts off his oh shit while he's, while he's trying oh, to
1: yeah i remember that
0: that was really ugh, God. stomach churning. Now you don't you don't see it; you just yeah. see what happens afterward, and just the implication in of it itself is horrifying. Um, it's it's bad. I mean, you you see a fucking dog's head decapitated. Yeah. Um, here it's like, whew, some some of the stuff here is pretty bad. Um, even the way Helen goes out is like, geez. Yeah, she
1: gets fucked up. Just fucked up bad. Uh, uh, I I really liked the ending, right? Because it gets um the the film wasn't just about Candy Man. Well, it, it was this this larger idea of the perpetuation of myths and right. where they come from, and and why we create them. And mm-hmm. how they manifest themselves through our pain, and uh, in all of that, right? Um, so the idea that she sort of becomes a new uh, candyman. She's not. She's not the candyman. She's sort of this other thing, you know. Yeah. Kind of. She kind of becomes an almost protector of Cabrini Green. That they sort of speak now in hushed whispers um, and that cycle continues anew which they they do something similar to that in the new Candyman but not quite um, I, I actually kind of like the way the new one did it a little better but no I thought that was interesting and I thought that was cool plus she got to get back at her cheating husband
0: so uh, yeah I think it was well worth it just to see that yeah <laughs> And I, I was like, man, I wonder if they're going to do what they're going to do here. it's like when he starts to, like, say her name into the mirror. Mm-hmm. and then I, I'm counting as he's saying the number of times he <laughs> yeah, says her name. Yeah, you're just counting the name. And then you see what you then you're going to see. And it's like, wow. It's an interesting choice mm-hmm. uh, to end the movie on. And I guess she's out there somewhere, mm-hmm. technically.
1: Yeah. Well, I love the – it's the last shot. It's uh, – what's replaced the Candyman mural is a mural of her and sort of that like disgusting altar in in the broken buildings of Cabrini Breen and like pans out to show you the whole thing with the music Um, it's great I really liked it yeah um yeah no I I think we talked a good bit about this film I don't know if you got anything else
0: We'll have more to say when you catch us on the Red Spotlight episode on the 2021 movie. Uh, If you want to watch the original film, you can actually do so right now on Peacock. So that's where I watched it, uh, on the Peacock streaming service. Uh, We don't know what movies we'll be discussing um, next time, but we hope that you will come back here to to the table for more uh, of our programming. Thank you, Peter. Thank you all for listening, and we'll catch you back next time. Bye-bye.